Welcome to the Level Up Lifestyle Podcast from Globe Life Liberty National, where your story meets your success for the lifestyle you've always wanted. We're so glad you're here. We've invited our top performers to share their story and journey to success. So let's check out today's conversation. Mike sits down with regional agency director, Keith Bennett. Keith shares his entire journey through life from the tragedy he experienced in childhood. When I was 12, uh, you know, my dad got sick. He fell, he just couldn't hardly walk. And then my mom, you know, helped and got him into the into the house that night. To becoming dependent on drugs. I had swore I'd never touch drugs because of what it had done to my brother's life. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I had to have something. This is how you're mm-hmm. coping, with it. Yeah. you know. And the moment he was given a second chance to make things right in his life. It gave me something that I'd lost when my dad got sick. It gave me hope. All of this coming up next on The Level Up Lifestyle. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Level Up Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sheets, coming to you here from the Globe Life Studios in McKinney, Texas. We've got a great guest with us today. Man, it, it, Keith Bennett, you have an amazing story. Got just listen, fasten your seatbelts. This is this is going to be a uh, this is going to be an impactful episode for uh, for a lot of people. And uh, Keith, I'm just so happy that you're here. Thanks, man. I'm I'm excited. I'm really glad to be here. I'm uh, a little overwhelmed, sure. You know, but uh, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. I, I have a I have a pretty powerful story. You know, and I, I love the I love the ability and the the time that I get to. to Put it out there. Yeah. So let's let's set up who you are mm-hmm. for the people that are listening. Maybe some people aren't familiar with you. So Keith, you are a regional agency director mm-hmm. yes, sir. with Globe Life Liberty National Division. Um, you oversee a team of about how many people? Oh my gosh, there's probably 45 to 50. 45, 50, yeah. 50 yeah, people out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, some people in leadership that you develop, mm-hmm. that you work with. Um, last year you were what where did you finish as um, a as a regional director? We finished number three. And as an agency director, you're yeah, number one. We were number one, yeah. Yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it, internally we have a um, – we have kind of a group of our of our managers, you know, kind of middle middle manager leaders, people and, mm-hmm. you know, RADs, agency directors. It's called the SEAL team. Yeah. And it stands for uh, Systems Equipping Advanced Leadership. <clears throat> and the whole concept behind the SEAL team was to take the, the top of the top in our uh, leadership core – and bring them together twice a year, kind of nice destination mm-hmm. places, right? You know, we yeah. go, you know, we go to Cabo, we went to yeah. Colorado, you know, we uh, we just got back from Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, it's been um, fun, yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's it's a great it's a great experience just to get the top of the top together mm-hmm. and sharing ideas, uh, developing each other's leadership. You have to qualify every year, right? So how many years have you qualified for it? Oh my gosh, uh, six, six all, years, yeah, all six years, I, I six years in how. a row. It's only yes. been around for six years, yeah. and you've qualified every yeah. year. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Again, I, I must say this word a lot today. It's really overwhelming, yeah. you know. And and uh, I've been blessed with some really good folks. I brought some good folks into this industry, and and they've grown with me. And yeah, it's just it's just been a blessing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Keith, you've qualified for the SEAL team every year for for six years. You're the only person that's ever done that. Right. You're the right, you're the yeah. last of the Mohicans yeah, there. You've, yeah, I, yeah. You know, you're having another great year. <laughs> yeah. Right. And everything's shaping up. Yeah. So uh, just a ton of success in the business. You've got a great lifestyle. You've got a great, um, you know, home life, work life. You're giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind the, the Level Up Lifestyle podcast, as we've been saying this whole season, is to take people who 
are experiencing these great levels of success. And let's really just unpack that journey. Because a lot of times we see people when they're successful right now, but we don't see who they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, right. And a lot of these experiences made them into the person they are. And there, you know, maybe there's somebody listening to this or watching that can say, hey, I maybe was in that place that Keith was in, or I maybe had an experience in you know, they can pull from your strength and how you've, you know, overcome and, and see where you are today. And, you know, it, it, it can kind of help tell their story as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I love sharing my story. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes. I, right. I, you know, I've, I've mentioned that about 11 years ago, I become a, a big crybaby. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's just the passion that I have, you yeah. know, and the passion that, the, the you know, that, I, that I've been given and uh, for, uh, just for life, you know, not just for the industry and for what I do and helping folks, but just for the passion I have for life now. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's get started. So, uh, born and raised where? Judsonia, Arkansas. The yeah. booming metropolis. <laughs> How many people in that town? Oh, my gosh. Uh, about 1,200, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, graduated with about uh, 29 folks in my class. I okay. Think. Yeah. I took people. I was in the, I think I was in the top three of my class, but, you know, there wasn't, but <laughs> very few to pick from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 10. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, very few um, to pick from. So, mm -hmm. what, what the, what, what did your family do as a as a kid growing yeah. up? What was that? What was that like? Yeah. So my dad worked for the power company, which at that time was APNL, Arkansas okay. Power and Light. It later become Entergy, but uh, that's where my dad worked. Uh, I remember mom. My mom didn't work for a long time, <clears throat> but then she started working uh, for a for a factory for a little while until um, you know until my dad got sick, and, um, okay. and that was. I remember when I was. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I remember we went to church, you know, quite frequently. I, I, I remember we stopped. I don't know why. You know, I've never really asked. It just, I just remember there was a point at which where we didn't go to church. It was a real mm -hmm. small church, not far from our house. It used to be an old honky tonk. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, years ago, and uh, back it's when my dad a good was sound young. system. Yeah, right. right it, yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> and uh, I just remember we stopped going to church. And uh, then, of course, when I was twelve, uh, you know, my dad got sick. Okay. And what, what happened with your dad? Yeah, he got a disease. Actually, he had a stomach virus and he got a disease that, that's called Guillain-Barre syndrome and it follows a virus, you know, and uh, he'd been sick for a couple of days of stomach virus and he went back to work and his... Just kind of like a normal, like, yeah. oh, you know, sick to my yeah, stomach. Yeah, just know. sick to the stomach. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, just whatever. Just Had some bad hibachi or <laughs> right, Yeah, exactly, you know, right? yeah. And then he, um, but then that evening after he came home from work, he got out of his bucket truck and, and he fell. He couldn't hardly walk. Mm -hmm. And so my mom came and got him and, and walked him to the, into the house and... Um, that was on a Friday. And actually, maybe back a little bit, he went to the doctor earlier that day. And the doctor told him he was hyperventilating, gave him a bag to breathe in. Well, he, he got home then and went to feed his dogs. And um, he had bird dogs. My dad raised high quality, high caliber, you know, quail dogs and okay. stuff, pointers and retrievers yeah. and or pointers and setters and stuff. And um, but anyway, he he, uh, he fell. He just couldn't hardly walk. And then my mom, you know, helped and got him into the into the house that night. Hmm. Yeah, that that night I remember it really well. <clears throat> I was twelve. It was uh, <clears throat> 1980, um, 1982. and my brother and I we were sleeping on a floor on the floor on a pallet. You know, when you're a kid, the 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 floor is more comfortable than a bed for some reason yeah. in the living room. And I remember um, the TV's in there. Yeah, the TV's yeah. in there. Yeah, it's the only place we had a TV back right. then. And we, I heard something kind of 
hit the floor and then I heard something just bellowing. It sounded like, a, if you've ever heard a calf beller, that's what it sounded like, like a calf bellowing. And we ran into my mom and dad's bedroom. And my dad was laying there on his side and was trying to move, and he couldn't move. Wow. Yeah, it went from – normally that disease takes the fa- place – takes the form of a creeping paralysis. And it takes, you know, over a few days, it slowly, you know, paralyzes your nervous system. Well, this attacked him and, you know, just overcome him just in a few hours. And what had happened, he had tried to roll over in the bed and, and couldn't really move. So he just really flopped and rolled over and rolled out of the bed and hit his head. And it actually hit his ear, had a big swelled-up thing on his ear. But – um we ran in there and, you know, of course we couldn't, me and my brother, we couldn't hardly move him. My mom jumps up and, and we call my grandpa and mm-hmm. grandma, they live right up the road from us about a quarter mile and they came down and, uh, between all of us, we got him in the car. Let's go to the hospital. Yeah. Well, my dad looked at me. Uh, just a second. <laughs> and he said, um, he couldn't already talk. You know, he would just could just barely talk. And he said, son, I'm afraid this is the last time I'm going to see you. Wow. So anyway, they got him to the hospital. And within an hour, hour and a half, he was completely out. You know, he they thought he was in a coma. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in a coma. He could hear. And, you know, if you've ever had a dream to where you can, can't move. Yeah. You know, sleep paralysis. Yes. Yeah. That's what he was. Oh, my he was in He was in ICU for three months. He was in the He's hospital. fully aware of everything that's everything. happening. He can't yeah. move. That's right. And, and we didn't know. You so know. you find this out later when he's like, hey, you mm-hmm. know, you guys were... Right. Deciding who gets the dogs and, you know, <laughs> yeah. who's doing this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is, we spent, uh, you know, the doctor spent a long time just basically trying to figure out what was wrong with him. They didn't know, you know, what the, what the disease was. They didn't know what had happened. And, but uh, I had a little, uh, <laughs> had this little tree stand built and had this little bow. And I, I remember sitting up in that thing just all that day waiting, you know, to hear back from the hospital mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, praying for my dad. And and then uh, I, my aunt came to my house and picked me up and took me to be with my, you know, hang out with my cousins and stuff and yeah. and all that. But yeah, my dad was in the hospital for, he was in, he couldn't move anything at all. The first thing he could move, he could just barely move his thumb like this, just barely move it. And then slowly, he slowly got every, you know, so he's back. recovering. Yeah, slowly. Yeah. yeah, slowly, but surely just getting recovery. This is something yeah. that people don't always recover from, though. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, at the time, and I think even still to this date, as far as I know, he had it worse than anybody had ever had it and still wow. recovered from it, you know, because wow. it actually was trying to um, attack his heart muscles. There was one night where they his heart stopped beating three times and they had to bring him back with paddles and stuff. And but um, and you're 12 years about, old Yeah, while 12, this is all yeah, going on, right? Yeah. So that's just got to be. Yeah. A completely overwhelming thing, you know, and you get your mom at home taking care of you, grandparents down the road. So I'm mm-hmm. sure it's a it's a family thing. So you're distracting yourself with the the, the tree stand yeah. and, you know, just kind of yeah. doing doing kid stuff, I guess. Yeah, just doing kid stuff. I had played baseball up before that, but then once he had gotten sick, you know, I didn't play baseball anymore. Um, but we, we actually had a room at the hospital that was our room that oh. um, so our family stayed in a lot. My mom stayed over there constantly. You know, okay. my mom was 32, you know, and yeah. whenever this happened to my dad, he was 40 when it happened. And, and, uh, but yeah, I was just, uh, just 
things were different. Yeah. You know, um, I was just, it was a small town. So everybody knew, everybody knew my dad. They had Jake Bennett day, um, one day, uh, for at Judsonia there. It was really cool. And, wow. and, uh, but again, he's in the hospital for 11 days short of a year. And then once he gets out of the Gosh. hospital, you know, he's, his hands are crippled up. He can't, he still can't control anything hardly at all. We have to, for the next probably three and a half to four years, me and my, you know, I had, um, I had two other brothers. One that was, his name was Paul Wayne. He was six years older. I say Paul Wayne real quick, but he's Paul Wayne. Yeah. Six years older. You my, said it fast. They yeah. said it fast in the house. <laughs> one word in the house. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was one word. <laughs> and my next older brother's name was Damon. He was a year and a half older. And then yeah. I had a younger sister and my oldest brother was already starting to work and stuff. So he was around a lot, but me and my next older brother, my sister, you know, we had to wipe my dad and mm. feed him and bathe him. And, you know, that's how I spent my, and you're, my 10 years. Yeah, so yeah. you're in high school mm-hmm. when this is going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to stick with you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, it did. I, I had, um, you know, which I was a real small, skinny kid. I wasn't real strong. And I had a couple of friends that were pretty good size and, and they spent the night with me a lot to help me. <laughs> yeah. My dad helped pick him up off the potty chair, put him on the bicycle. Because wow. he, here's the thing about my dad is that once he got out of the hospital and once he saw some uh, some results that he was slowly getting better he worked his butt off every day you know i mean it was it was work for him just to get up out of bed and and us to get him dressed and and then he would go out we had some parallel bars that he mm-hmm. would get and walk in those parallel bars we'd have to go stand him up and he'd walk back and forth back and forth and he would sit down and his hands were drawn up like this and he would sit there and he'd look at his hands you know cuz he worked with his hands yeah and he would look at his hands and then uh, he, you know, he get himself stood back up and and uh, walk again back and forth. He just wouldn't quit. Yeah, you know, that's got just, that's got to be so formative for you though, as as a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, you're growing up and you're seeing this mm-hmm. and that work ethic to to get better. And you know that do you do you feel like maybe sometimes you're pulling from that strength later on in life? Now you know all the success that you've had in business and things like that. Are you are you pulling some of that work ethic from oh, seeing that? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I would sit there in the door and because I'd watch him. You know, because I'd wheel him out there and then uh, we'll go back out and say, Dad, you ready to go in and eat some dinner? And he'd say, well, let me go one more round. <laughs> yeah. One more one more trip. You yeah. Know? And, but yeah, I pull a lot from that because I watch that every day and, and I, there's no, um, there's no quit in my dad. And, you know, I tell myself all the time and I've told folks in the past that how can I dishonor my dad's memory because my dad just died in December of this past year. Sorry to hear How that. could I? Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, he lived a long life, battled a long, long yeah. life with, with that disease, and then cancer finally took him out in December of, mm. of 2023, 2022. But I tell folks, how can I, having 100% of my health, not get up every day and get my best when I watch my dad do it with 20% health, yeah. 30% health, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I pull from that daily. Yeah. That's that's so huge. So, um, going back to high school, mm-hmm. right? A little different in the Bennett house, obviously, yeah, and, and how was, you're, yeah. you know, you're supporting, you know, your family and the things mm-hmm. that you're doing. And then as you're coming out of school and you're branching out on your, are you going to college or do you, do you have a, a career in mind? Are you thinking, you know, because your dad worked for the power company, are you going to yeah. do something like that or what? What's going through Keith's Bennett, Keith Bennett's head at this point? Well, you know, I never really thought about what I was going to do. Um, I don't know why. I remember my uh, guidance counselor asked me uh, as I was getting ready to graduate, and I had a 
Ford four wheel drive truck that I was rebuilding the engine in. Okay. <laughs> I was using the money I was getting for, you know, you always get when you graduate to rebuild my, rebuild my engine. He goes, he goes, Keith, you and I need to talk. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I'll go back a little bit whenever I was, um, so my dad got sick when I was 12. And then whenever I was 13, I started working at an after school program because I okay. liked working because, you know, we didn't have anything. We had uh, government cheese, you know, uh, my dad made really good money uh, for the uh, power company. But he's yeah. pro- you're probably disability at this oh, yeah. point, yeah. you know, yeah. government yeah, subsidies and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. 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 We didn't have, we didn't have anything then. Um, um, but I, I wanted more, you know, so I worked and uh, actually when I was 14, all one summer I spent working at the school on a, on a program and and I remember my first paycheck, I went and bought a new compound bow. And that was, of course, and just gave me my passion for bow hunting and, and bow shooting. I shot archery tournaments later. It's got to mean so that. much, though, yeah. when, you, when you're a kid, you're 14 and you work to get that, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's a... Yeah. Surprise possession. Three dollars and thirty five cents an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was great. I you know, I cherish that bow. It was it was phenomenal that I could I could get that. It wasn't a good bow, but it was still as you know, as good as I could afford. And um it's kind of your first, yeah. you know, like feel like you accomplished right. something in some yeah. maybe adverse. Yeah, absolutely. And then when I was 15, I actually lied on a job application so I could start working because <laughs> I had to be 16 to work. And I, I put my birthday a year earlier than what it actually was and started working at a store um, not far from my school. And I worked there five days a week all through school. Wow. So, yeah. Got out, of, got out of college, registered two different times for college. And um, the first time I registered, uh, I was really intent on going, but I started working in construction and I liked it. I liked working with my hands. I liked accomplishing stuff. And, uh-huh. and the guy I worked with was a hard worker, which was really cool because, you know, I wanted to work really hard and and made money. <clears throat> so I decided not to go to college that year. The next year I got married and that was, I got out of school in 87. I got married in 88 and I registered for college again, but um, I decided I wanted to continue working in construction. So I continued in construction. And then in, I had a daughter in um, 89, mm-hmm. had a little girl. <clears throat> wasn't ready for a kid yet, but yeah, yeah but uh, we had a little girl and beautiful her name's Cassidy. And then in um, ninety in nineteen ninety two, I started my own construction business. Okay, yeah, started that. Yeah, did did really well. So just mm-hmm. kind of took off with the construction mm-hmm. yeah. and enjoyed it, and the business was booming. Yeah, yeah, did really good. Yeah, I had a business partner that just had incredible work ethic. You know, he didn't know anything about what we did, but I, I taught him really quick. So we went into partner business business together and did really good for a long time. You know, uh, I shot a lot of archery tournaments. I traveled all over the United States shooting uh, archery tournaments as a professional. I really loved that. Really? You know, and yeah. So, yeah, so really did cool. the business was do, go, doing so well that you could kind of almost be a little bit more hands off? Yeah, yeah. And it was running its own self and yeah. you got to Right. Yeah. Especially during the winter, um, during bow season, because my partner and I, we hunted a lot and uh, we had, you know, we had a few crews work for us that, you know, that did, did really well. Yeah. What type of construction was it? Uh, actually, siding. We did okay. siding, soffit and fascia. We did a lot of commercial stuff and a lot of residential stuff. And but yeah, that was like a, a, well, there used to be an old company years ago called Hanky Brothers, and that was what I always said was my biggest competition. You know, okay. they had TV commercials and everything. You know, <laughs> and on that. But yeah, we did uh, construction did really well. Ninety eight, I built a big, uh, you know, I say big and a really good, nice two story house and stuff. Doing doing really well with that and. Again, continuing to shoot. Continue. My partner and I did a lot of uh, bow hunting on video and stuff. He, yeah, so you were you know, like on 
TV. You were an internet yeah. celebrity as the internet was being developed, right? <laughs> I don't know that I was a celebrity, but yeah, yeah, we were on there. We were on uh, three or four different hunting shows that we had videos because he was a, you know, he had the great equipment stuff and he was a freelance videographer. So he, you know, I was always the subject that always yeah. got filmed. And and uh, yeah, we, we actually had a show in Arkansas. It's called Real Hunting Arkansas, R-E-E-L, Hunting Arkansas. And the first year we had to have 26 shows and, and he and I had like 20 of the 26 shows was the stuff that we had made and another couple of guys had started the the company or the show and then we were um we became more of uh, not just the guest but the yeah. <laughs> we were the the staple you know yeah. our, it was our all of our hunting stuff on there yeah so everything's going really well for mm-hmm. you at this point right you just yeah. built your i guess dream house mm-hmm. you've got yep. a married couple kids yep. business is booming you're on tv you know doing what you yeah. love <laughs> So, um, you know, where does the story go from here? Because that's a that's a transition from mm-hmm. things are going well to now you come into the insurance business. Right. Yeah. So, so I had my second daughter in '96, built the house in '98, did really well, and then in 2003, <clears throat> December of 2003, um, about 40:30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my mom. And she said, Keith, Keith, Pauline is in the ambulance going to the hospital, but he's dead. Oh, wow. I said, I said okay, Mom, I'll be there. And so I got to the hospital. I went in the emergency room where he was at. They had a thing in his mouth where they'd been trying to breathe for him, and mm-hmm. he was dead. You know, he had... Stuff all over his face. What happened? He died of uh, renal failure. Oh, wow. Yeah, died of renal failure at home. My next older brother, Damon, was there with Did him. Did know he was sick? Uh, no, he wasn't sick at all. He just all of a sudden. All of yeah, a sudden. Yeah. Just... Well, let me back up a little bit. In 96, he did. He had a, a crash, a car wreck. He was, they were, most of my brothers were pipeliners. Okay. They pipelined, and they had a crash. And uh, or he had had a crash and was paralyzed from the waist down. So my mom's at home with okay. my dad in a wheelchair still, um, oh my, my oldest brother in a wheelchair. Oh my yeah, gosh. taking care of both of those. And um, my mom, funny thing, my mom and dad had had went uh, with my aunt and uncle to Tunica that day yeah. to do some gambling. You know, my dad loved to <laughs> pull those. Wheel handles. me up to the slots here, right? <laughs> yeah, he loved. <laughs> this those. is physical therapy, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm moving my arms. It was, it was, and and uh, that's where they were. And whenever they got home or on their way home, uh, Damon called and then um, they got there and ambulance was there. And But anyway, I go in the merch room, my dad's, uh, my, my brother's there and he's, um, you know, he's dead. And and um, it was, um, it was difficult. You know, um, I remember going to my mom's house and mom and dad's house that night and my next older brother was there and he had had some issues. He, so I, I, I kind of got to go back just a little bit without any parental supervision you know, at the house, whenever we were going up after dad got sick, yeah. um, my brothers got really bad on, on drugs and alcohol. They went really bad off the deep end. They did a little bit of everything and anything. Right? There, because you guys are kind of just left on your own a yeah, little bit. Your mom's yeah. taking care of your dad. Exactly. And, you know, it's, we, yeah. we got to make this work and you guys are fending right. for yourselves. Yeah, exactly. My oldest brother took care of us whenever he was there. And if he wasn't there, it was just us. You yeah. know? And, but they got really bad on, on drugs and stuff. And um, so um, I'm at my mom and dad's house that night. My next older brother, he had gotten... Uh, some I don't know what he got in a hotel, but some kind of really bad drug that had messed him up mentally. He actually had multiple personality disorder from that oh drug. Yeah, it was it was terrible. Uh, he he had so many different people that he was, but he had applied for mental um, um, mental um, 
uh, what's it called? Health. Uh, Health. Well, yeah, but um, uh, uh, the um, from the government, you know, government, oh. um, disability. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Assist- yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, he had applied for mental disability. And so while I was standing there, he was there with Paul Wayne whenever Paul Wayne had died. And, you know, and he was telling me what all had happened. And he pulls this check out of his pocket. And he said, you know, get, don't get me wrong. My brothers worked really hard. You know, they were really hard workers because they saw my dad. And he pulls this check out of his pocket and he said, um, I just got this check from the government for my disability. If I cash it, I can never work again. You know, and I said, well, Damon, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, if you can't work, then you need to do it. And so anyway, I go home and I'm in bed <clears throat> about 430. Thirty the next morning, and my mama calls, and she said, "Keith, Keith, Damon's dead," and I'm just like, "The next day, the next morning, twelve hours later." Wow, I was just floored. I'm like, "I'm like what?" And she said, "Damon's dead." I said, "Okay, I'll be right there." So oddly enough, I walked into my bathroom and uh, I turn on the shower and I get in the shower. And while I'm taking a shower, it just all of a sudden it starts hitting me. So you just didn't know what to do. So I'm just, I was uh, in shock. I'll take a shower before yeah, I go. I, I yeah. was kind of in shock. And, and as I'm taking a shower, it hits me what she said. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I flew out of the shower. I threw on some clothes and told my wife. Mom just called and said that, that Damon is dead. She goes, what? And so anyway... So I jumped in my truck and I drive um, to my mom and dad's house. It's about 25 minutes away and walked in and my dad's sitting at the table and uh, my mom's there on the couch or on the chair just with her head down, just bawling. And the uh, medical examiner and stuff was there and the police because, you know, two grown men had died 12 hours apart in the same yeah. house. And so they were what's going on examining yeah. it. And, uh, my sister came in and uh, it was just. Anyway, they didn't let us go. They, we didn't get to go and see him for a little while, um, probably about an hour. And then we finally got to go in. And by that time, I, you know, not to get graphic, but, you know, blood had kind of pulled and he started and skin yeah. was kind of turning black. Yeah. And, and I just kind of freaked yeah. out and said, oh, my gosh, he's turning black. It's, it's not a good, it's yeah. not a good sight. Not a good way to see, brother. And I, uh, but I cried harder that day than I've probably ever cried in my life. I, I can imagine. What, what happened to your, <laughs> your second brother? Uh, he overdosed. Yeah. 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 He overdosed that night. He just... Couldn't deal with everything that happened. Grief of losing. Yeah. Yeah. Grief of losing and and then having, you know, given up his manhood, he thought. Yeah. By getting that disability check. Wow. So, yeah. So that. And we we didn't talk mm -hmm. about, so like growing up though, while your mom's taking care of your dad, Mm -hmm. it's the three brothers and your sister. Are you guys close as siblings then? Yeah, we were. um, We were fairly close. We slowly, you know, you would think that it would have brought us closer together, all that happening, but it really didn't. That's like my sister and I, she's two years younger than, than I am. And with everything that we've been through. You know, you would think it would really have brought us really close together. And don't get me wrong, we love each other to death, but um, it's just when we're around each other, the pain. Yeah. Reminds you of. Yeah. And I think everybody processes these types of things differently, right? right? So, yeah, just the pain of it kind of reminds us. So, so that after that happened, 
that affected me a lot more mentally than I thought it, you know, that I had, than yeah. you know, I thought, yeah. So um, it affected everything I did. I actually started doing a lot of drinking, started doing drugs. I, I'd swear I'd never touched drugs because of what it had done to my brother's life. Mm-hmm. Well, I started, you know, I had to have something. This is how you're mm-hmm. how coping. With it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, kind of that's, that that's self-medication, right? Trying to deal with the things that have happened. Exactly. Yeah. Just trying to figure out some way to ease the pain and to, you know, and I started hanging out with a different group of folks then, people that partied. And uh, we, my wife and I actually, we, we partied with them for a little while. And then um, that was in uh, 2003 and four. And then in um, 2005, I actually, uh, I left my wife and kids. I got divorced and left my mm-hmm. wife and kids. So now, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with obviously the challenges of, of losing. Um, I, I think on top of that, everything that happened with your dad, mm-hmm. you know, you had a business, you had, you know, you kind of had the, the house and the white picket fence yep. and, um, and you go in a different direction and, yeah. you know, this, this phase of your life is, you know, it's, uh, things, things are different for you. Right. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, like I said, I left my wife and kids. I, uh, I ended up with my business partner. I, I, um, I, I stepped away from the part of the business that I was doing with him um, in 2007 and kind of left him all that. And I was doing construction uh, still, just different jobs, odd jobs and different things. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I didn't see the drugs having that much of an effect on me. You know, I, you felt like you were yeah, still I felt like I was functioning. And everything was fine. Yeah. But it, I really wasn't. Now, I'm looking back on it now. Matter of fact, there's a period from 2006 to 2009. It's just a blur. I really wow. can't even remember. Hardly a whole lot of went on during wow. that time. I can see pictures. I'm like, man, I can't remember that. You don't even recognize the person don't in the picture. Even, yeah, not at all. Yeah, not at all. And then um, in 2010, um my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer mm. and she died October 15th of 2010. And, um, with that, what that brought along is, you know, with all the stuff, you know, I actually went to church when I was a kid, but with all the stuff that went on with my family, I tried not to believe in God, you know, and I hated God for the things that happened. And then when my mom died, she, you know, she, when my dad got sick, she was 32 and she yeah. taking care of my dad and my brothers all the way up until, you know, they were both gone. She's the glue holding everything yeah, together. Absolutely. Yeah. She was great. And my kids, <laughs> and my kids loved her to death. Matter of fact, anytime my oldest daughter would get in trouble, she would go upstairs and call her Mimi to come pick her up. And <laughs> I'd look out the window and my mom would be pulling up in the driveway to pick her up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> She's in trouble. Uh, but anyway, she passed away. October 2000, um, 2010, and that was kind of the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back with me on my alcohol and drugs. I, um, I, I had a pure hatred for God when I did believe, and like I said, I tried not to believe. I thought I was too intelligent <laughs> to believe in God, and, and I went really off the deep end and ended up losing everything I had, um, went bankrupt. <laughs> Uh, had a house that I was barely hanging on to, and um, just financially, I remember one uh, the Christmas right after that. I didn't even have money to buy my kids Christmas presents. I, um, I, well, I, I take it back. I had I went to Old Navy and I bought this one uh, this little jacket, and I got a free fleece rug blanket that came with it, and I gave one of them the jacket, another the blanket. Hmm. Just that, that's so. Uh, 
I'm so ashamed of that, you know, because I had provided really well. And then I just let that, my hatred for, for God and, and uh, my drugs and alcohol just control me, you know. And the thing is, I, did, I was doing all that with drugs and alcohol. I didn't think anybody knew, you know. I, you know, I know people You did. thought you were able to live this life yeah. and no one picked up yeah. on it, but I'm sure yeah. people saw it. Yeah, I would obviously. do, yeah, I would do like um, cocaine, meth during the day. And then at night I would take Xanax so I could sleep. And that's how I justified it. That's how, yeah, that's how I justified it because I wasn't staying up all night, you know, and I was going to bed and I was sleeping. I would drink, of course, constantly through all that. And, um, but then in May of 2012, man, um, got up one morning and it was a, a Thursday morning. Let me back up two nights before on Tuesday night. I went to bed with my gun at my head. Oh my goodness. With it cocked. Wow. Hoping it would go off. I don't remember the next day, Wednesday. I, I have no recollection of it at all. I, I know I measured jobs. I did something. I can't, really can't remember. But then Thursday morning, I woke up. I got out of bed, and I walked into my bathroom. I had a couple of jobs I had to go measure. I was out of dope. I was out of beer. And um, I saw my plans were to go hunt all that down after I measured the jobs, you know. Yeah. And I walked into my bathroom, and I reached to my right, and I turned on my shower. And when I turned on my shower, I just... Um, turned and looked in the mirror to my left. <clears throat> and at that moment, God decided to let me see who I was, hmm. what I was, what I'd become. I can't explain what I saw. I just knew it was horrible. And instead of hating God, I hated the person looking at I spent that entire day in my bathroom just screaming. I was so mad. I was cussing. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I didn't know what mm. conviction was. I just knew something yeah. was wrong. You finally didn't recognize yourself. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. I screamed. I cussed. I cried. It was miserable. My phone normally would have rang 50 times that day, and it never even went off. You know, it was it was really strange, eerie. And um, I usually, when I share my story, I usually kind of stop it right there. And, but... I'm just, I want to share exactly how it went. It actually, so that full day on a Thursday, I fought it all day long. Fought it, fought it, fought it. Finally, I got so mad that I, I forced it away, you know, and I walked out of my bathroom and laid down, went to bed. I slept really good. I don't know how, but I slept really good. The next morning, Friday morning, I get up, I walk into my bathroom again, turn on my shower, and there is no way in the world I'm going to look in that mirror. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, there you, you there was nothing that you were going to be able to do to make me look in that mirror. And I'm sitting here like this with my hand in the water, waiting and waiting, and it's cold. And it's cold. <laughs> it won't warm up. And I just happened to peek over my shoulder in the mirror. It hit me again. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. I hit my knees. I cried, I screamed, I, I begged, I finally got up, I wiped my face off, dried up, and I looked in the mirror, I said, okay, God, you're real, this is real, I don't know what to do, please help me, I begged him to help me, and see, just a couple weeks before that, I went to church with my daughter on a Sunday, because she was always, every other Sunday, she was like, Dad, you're going to church, Dad, you're going to church, normally I was hungover, mm -hmm. still spun out, whatever, yeah. I was still, you know, and I wouldn't go, but I went this one particular Sunday, and when we got to the invitation song, <laughs> It felt like my heart was ripping out of my chest. Mm. You know, I, I hated it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't get out of there fast enough, you know. And uh, and then again, just a couple weeks later, I had those road to Damascus experience in my bathroom. And then that Friday after, again, I said, okay, God, you're real. Please help me. You know, I instantly knew that day, that moment, not even that day, that moment, I instantly knew I had to go to church, see my daughter's pastor. 
I went to church on Sunday, saw my daughter's pastor. He said, hey, Keith, it's good to see you here. I'm going to come and see you this week. And I said, fantastic. I need to talk to you. A few days later, he comes to my house, May 19th, 2012, and he walked me. He walked me through salvation. Hmm. It changed my life. It made the sky bluer, made the grass greener. It gave me something that <clears throat> that I'd lost when my dad got sick. It gave me hope. It changed me inside out. It didn't change my circumstances. <laughs> this has been decades where you had yeah. just kind of maybe been masking that and mm-hmm. then right. covering it up with running you yeah. know, addiction and it, it but it kind of seems like this just all of a sudden like you you maybe weren't seeking this part of your life you know Not you had that that moment um a few days prior you know mm-hmm. even to to your shower right. experience and then yeah and then all of a sudden here you are so yeah yeah i wasn't looking for it all if anything i was running from it and hiding from it and and you know trying to put on the persona that i, I hated it you know and and uh but yeah it changed everything about me um um, again, it gave me that hope. Uh, you know, I, I had spent so many years searching for that one thing that was going to fill that hole in my heart. You know, every drug, every drink, every uh, every woman, whatever. I everything that I, you know, that's what I was trying to do. I had this hole I was trying to fill, and he instantly filled that hole, <laughs> mm. filled it, and sealed it, and uh, it made me whole. And again, it, it didn't change my circumstances. You know, I'm still broke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it just gave me a whole new reason because I'd always had this really strong work ethic and I always loved working, but it gave me a whole new, new reason for working. It gave me a passion for, instead of working for me and my selfish reasons, I was working for him, you know? And um, so again, just kind of get back to your question, how did I transition into insurance? It was about a year later. Um, well, yeah. so did, w- once this happens in your life, I mean, this mm-hmm. is like, Five days. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and you've completely yeah. changed mm-hmm. your your life and your your outlook. And, I mean, did you did you go to like did you check yourself into mm-hmm. rehab or did you just I mean, did, did everything just cold turkey dropped just, it right there? Just dropped it. Really? Yeah, just dropped it. It was gone. He took wow. it. He took it away. What I had relied on, which was the drugs and alcohol, uh, to get me through my days and my nights, and what I'd relied on for several years, he took it all away that day and I, it was him <laughs> mm. all about the Lord I just I relied on him you know 100% it just it just again I, you know I, I do a lot of work with um, some folks like with John 316 in Arkansas and also mm-hmm. a place called Life and Victory and and uh, with men that are dealing with addiction and uh, you know there's you know a lot of people need that you know and sure and for whatever reason I didn't have to need it you know I didn't have to have it he he gave me all that I needed right then yeah. you know and, and I know a lot of people, you know, maybe listening to this, you know, of course, everyone has different, mm-hmm. you know, beliefs and, right. and, and faiths. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go necessarily down that road, mm-hmm. but it, it seems like for you, this is, uh, you know, this was a, you know, a crutch yeah. that was just taken away mm-hmm. and yeah. away you go. So, so you said about a, a about a year later, yeah. you, you get into insurance. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, so, yeah, it's a really cool story with that, too. I actually uh, just I, I, I want to add this, too, is that, you know, right after my salvation, um, my um, God put um, someone in my life. Because as a new Christian, you know, the enemy hates hates that, hates a new Christian. And he's mm-hmm. going to do everything he can to, you know, to turn me back or whatever. And um, but God put this beautiful blonde haired woman, Christian woman. 
in my life. <laughs> and her godly influence on me kept me, you know, kept my faith and kept me from losing, you know. So she kept it, you grounded. She kept me grounded. Kept you from, yeah. Do you think you maybe would have went back to that life? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so. I think without her in my life, I would have, because there was just too many things that happened. Uh, the enemy tried too hard. There's just too many things that went on. You know, I, di I didn't realize that day in my bathroom or that day with when I, Brother James walked me through salvation, the, the plan God had for me that's working out now, playing out even today especially today. Um, but also the enemy had a plan, you know, and he tried his best, but had it not been for my wife, you know, or she wasn't my wife at the time, but we started dating just a couple of weeks. Matter of fact, the day that brother James walked me through salvation, May 19, 2012, we went out on our fresh date that oh, night, wow. that night. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we dated and, um, we got married a week after I started with Liberty. <laughs> she thought she was marrying a construction worker. <laughs> <laughs> Come to find out, it's, a, it's yeah. an insurance agent. Yeah, insurance yeah. guy. So yeah. Yeah, I, I like to joke around with her and, and tell her, right, if you need me to, I'll put my toe belt on yeah. you know, for a little while, whatever you yeah. need, honey. Yeah. But yeah, he put her in my life and uh, she kept me grounded. But a year after my salvation, I'm... Uh, I'm still struggling financially. You know, I'm doing everything I can. I'm working with a different reason. I, I was doing this one particular job. And I remember there's some ladies out there. It's an old folks home. And these ladies out there were calling me Mr. Smiley because I was smiling everywhere. I'm like, I have to. And uh, but anyway, uh, I had um, I finished up this job for this builder and um, he gave me a check. And this was on a Wednesday. He said, hey, I need you to hang on to this check until Friday, uh, Monday, I've got to go to the bank and get a draw Friday. The funds will be available Monday. And I said, okay. So I, you know, I had too much pride to tell him I didn't have any money. So I go home and I've got a check in my pocket. You know, I've got money, but I don't have any money. And um, I get up the next morning, I walk into my, my, my kitchen, I open up my cabinet and I got two pieces of bread, enough peanut butter and jelly to make one sandwich. Wow. Yeah. True story. You know, 10 years ago, um, my youngest daughter was coming over that weekend and I didn't have food to feed my kid. So I did a couple things in my bathroom that morning. The first thing it is, I, I prayed. I said, God, you have given me an incredible testimony. And no matter how bad it hurts, I'm going to share it with anybody and everybody that I get in contact with. And I know you have another door. And when you open that door, please slap me that I know to go through it. And I'm going to give you all the praise and glory. And then I, I made some phone calls and I went and built a deck because there's no way I was going to let my daughter come to my house and not be able to feed her. You know? get, go do the work and get do, paid. And, yes. Yeah. I got paid cash. There was no way yeah. I could have my kid come over and not be able to feed her, you know. And then just a couple weeks after that, um, Jacob Har, good friend of mine, he used to work for me in my construction business for several years. Uh, and he was working for Liberty and he came to my house. And uh, he said, hey, are you looking for anything different to do? And I was like, man, I don't know what else I would do. All I've ever done is construction. I said, but I got a guy working for me that's doing a lot of stuff. And, and the temptation is really bad. And I'm getting married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm, I'm open. You know, you know, what is he goes? Well, I think you'd be good at what we do. Why don't you come down and meet Jason Everett? I said, yeah, sure. Um, so I dressed up the next Monday in my finest work clothes. You know, I didn't have a suit <laughs> back yeah. then, you know. And uh, I walked into Jason Everett's office. And when I did, he slid this book across his desk and he said, hey, have you ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? And I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, last week, my pastor had mentioned him in a sermon and I had studied it and um, I was really intrigued by it. You know, I'd studied it quite a bit. So that's all that was said about that. We didn't talk about the book or anything. We 
we didn't go over what we do, you know, or what the business entails or anything. We just talked about life. I shared my testimony with Jason. I shared things with him I'd never shared with anybody before because I could just, he was just, you know, uh, he's just so trustworthy, you know, yeah. and, and I just, I was just connected to him really quick. So anyway, I, you know, we get done, we visit for about an hour, you know, and he says, well, you know, what we'd have to do first, get you licensed. And I said, well, let me go home and think about it, you know, and uh, he, so he didn't close me. He let me out, go walk out the door. <laughs> so I walk out the door, I get my truck. <laughs> I'm driving back to, to Searcy. And as I'm driving back about halfway home, I know the exact spot that it hit me that I've been spoken to with that Jonathan Edwards book. And I told you about the you know yeah. the day I prayed in my bath in my kitchen. Yeah, and uh, I'd spoken to you with that John. There. So I called Jason. I grabbed my phone. I called him. I'm shaking all my hair. I had more hair than even standing up on the top of my head. And I call him. <laughs> I actually did have better hair yeah. years ago. Yeah. But I call him and I said, "Man, if you can get me that license class, I'll get started." He goes, "Let me call you right back." So I hang my phone up. Good Lord, longest two minutes of my life. <laughs> a little bit of a takeaway, maybe. Yeah, 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 longest two minutes of my life. He calls me back. He says, okay, be there tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning because we did we did uh, uh, classroom courses then, not online Oh, courses. in person. Yeah. For your license. Person. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I, uh, um, I said, well, I've never been late. And, you know, he said, don't be late because they locked the door at 801. I said, I've never been late. I'm not going to start now. So I drop everything I got to do with construction that day. I go home, I had a couple loose ends, I tied them up, and I got in that licensing class and uh, got, actually, I got in the licensing class, I did the course, but I wasn't able to test for a month because of my bankruptcy. And that was a, man, I was so mm. uncertain. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to get to test or what. Like you couldn't schedule couldn't the do, test? Couldn't they schedule were... it. They wouldn't let me schedule. I wasn't eligible to test yet. They really? had to, They had to review my background and my bankruptcy. And uh. in the meantime, I had a, a really a good friend of mine at church that had some flooring work he needed done. So I did that job for him and and uh, he paid me really well for doing it. And um, and then I got a call or I got my, my email saying, you can schedule your exams. I went and took my exams. I passed the test that day. I ran to Jason's office, got in the system, you know, and uh, started um, started working. A month later, you know, it was a little different then. A month later, he made me a supervising agent. And then a year later, become an agency director. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, kind of a, a really, uh, just really quick start. You this know, is a, yeah, yeah, and it's a quick turnaround in your life, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you start as an agent, is it easy? Are you, I mean, I'm sure you're struggling like like yeah. a lot of people do in the beginning. Yeah, I, I struggle. In the very beginning, um, I struggle because, you know, we, we, we weren't on systems. Um, you know, uh, systems were just slowly beginning then. I wasn't on system at all. I was just, um, but... The guy that was training me, he would go in and sit down and talk to a business owner for like, you know, 30 minutes. He could just talk, have this big, long conversation. I'm not a good conversationist. You know, I'm too ADD. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got you're used get, to working yeah, with your hands and go, you know, yeah. you're not talking to yeah, people. Right. You're, you're just yeah. working. Yeah. Yeah. So he and so I was kind of having doubts that I could do this. And then Jason took me out one day. This is my third day in the field. Two days with Jake, one day with Jason. And we we go into a business. We walked in about 10, but we walked in this one business and he's he's got a brochure. And uh, he said, this is what we do. And this is how we do it. We just ask you this. And, and the guy said, yeah, sure. And we go back, we meet with the payroll lady, we get the employee list, we walk out and Jason hands me that paperwork and I said, I can do that. Mm. And uh, he said, what do you mean? Uh, I said, I can't do what I've been doing. I said, but I can do what you just did. I promise you. He said, he said, what I do different. I said, you you didn't make this big, long conversation that I can't do. And so, yeah, the net, he said, well, take this. And of course, gave me the brochure and he said, learn these six bullet points and go close a case. 
next day I took out on my own and uh, started closing cases and mm-hmm. uh, did into my first six months uh, over 30 cases. Wow. You know? Depends on who you ask. You know, some people say 50, but it wasn't, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was over 30 it's cases. The legend, right, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I did. But then after my seventh, after being here seventh month, I, you know, I made convention. I started in May, May 31st. And of course, I got married the week later. But, um, uh, my first year, I made convention and was on Leaders Club, you know, which is really cool because you get like a hundred dollar gift certificate, yeah. you know, for that or a, a, a credit card with a hundred dollars on it. And that was really, really cool. And um, then in my seventh month, uh, one of my big businesses that I had closed went bankrupt. And oh my gosh, you know, that was terrible. It, you know, because back then you had to repay the money, you know, before you started getting paid again. Okay. Yeah. And that was a tough time for about a month. You know, I, so, I mean, are you thinking at this time, like, I don't know if this is for yeah. me or where do I go or what, yeah. what's going through your head? At that point, no, I wasn't thinking uh, that at all. I was just thinking, man, I got to work harder. I got to get through this okay. because they they showed me on paper how I could outride it. Basically, you know, um, they showed me how I could do that. I just didn't get started soon enough. And um, finally, uh, in February, I wrote a um, about probably fifteen fifteen thousand dollars one week, and I got like a fifteen hundred dollar check. Mm-hmm. But I was back in the positive, yeah. so I was ready to go, and did did really good. And then. Um, I become a director in uh, 2014. Is that right? Yeah, in August of 2014, I become a director, not on systems, which was a mistake, you know, um, because I've got this personality that I can close with, and and I'm hiring people and I'm bringing people in, and man, I have such a passion for people, sure, uh, in this business because here I, you know, I'm, you know, I would tell them. All I do is talk to people, you know, and I'm making this kind of money and, and it's phenomenal. And I've had death claims and I've had accident claims. It's just been phenomenal of how I've been able to help folks. But as a director, I'm hiring people and I'm not making them any promises. I'm just telling them, hey, if you'll do what I do, you can do this. Well, they couldn't do what I did, you know, because I wasn't on system. I wasn't doing, uh, you know, the, the pack calls is one of the first things I had to start doing. But I wasn't doing that. I wasn't, um, you know, on scripts. I was just walking in and talking to people. And um, I just couldn't train anybody how to do that. And I was losing these folks. And finally, in March of 2015, I was at the point I was like, man, uh, because it was really hurting my heart when I'd hire yeah. someone and come in and I would lose them. And I said, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm, I may just have to get back in construction because I just can't hardly deal with this. You know, it's really bugging me. <clears throat> but Jason, again, because I was off system, but Jason told me, he said, I need you to come and meet with me. <clears throat> we're going to sit down and we're going to get you on systems. You know, we got scripts that you're not using and I want you to start using them. And I said, OK. So the next day I was supposed to meet him after lunch. And so that day, I right down the road from our office was a David's Burgers, and I love David's Burgers. I love a big cheeseburger. <laughs> I'm a cheeseburger connoisseur. But anyway, <laughs> we went. I went to the eat lunch, and there's a kid that worked in there. He's 19 years old. His name was Jose Romero, and uh, Jose would come and sit with me, and we would talk about the Lord all the time. And while we were sitting there talking that day, he said, "Keith, um, you know, whenever someone gives us a gift." We have to accept that gift because if we don't, we're robbing that person of their blessing. I said, you know, you know, you're right. You know, that's absolutely right. You know, that's that's really cool stuff. So we visit for a little bit. I get done eating. I get in my car. I'm driving back to the office. Jason calls me. He said, hey, I I just got to tell you, I can't make it today. Something came up. I've got to go do this, that, whatever. Uh, And um, we're going to meet tomorrow. He goes, I just want you to understand that I believe in you and you can do this. And I just put X amount of dollars in. X amount of dollars in your bank account. Wow. Uh, so I sat there for a second. 
And he said, are you there? And I said, yeah. He said, are you okay? And I said, yeah. So Jason, let me tell you something. 30 minutes ago, if you would have told me that you would just put money in my bank account, I would have got mad and I'd have probably quit because I had too much pride for somebody to help me like that. I said, but let me tell you what just happened. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, it was prepped almost, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, yeah. it was a divine appointment, I guess. And so I, I told Jason about the Jose Romero story. And he goes, well, there you go. <laughs> he said, meet me tomorrow and let's get you on system. I said, all right. Mm -hmm. So the next day I meet him at lunch. We ride it out on thing. First and foremost, pack calls. He said, if you don't buy into pack calls, your people never will. And, and you, you know, you can go in and get this information out of folks, but the people you're hiring can't do it. So you've got to do it and show them pack calls, get on script, get on system and all that. And so I started learning the script that day. Made a bunch of pack calls that day, went out um, the next day and closed a big county, closed a big, uh, uh, a really cool story, as a big trucking company. And I drive by this trucking company, you know, and, and of course, everything is on paper. Mm -hmm. And I look over at that and I'm like, man, I ain't going in that business. That's not a booming business. And I drive on by and I drive down and I pull over and I pull my pack call out and I read it. 19 employees, has the employer's name and all that. And I was like, all right, dadgummit. So I turned around and pulled in. So you didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do you it. You had to convince yourself to go back. It didn't look like something that I wanted a booming business. I already know where this is going. Yeah, so I go yeah. in, I knock on the door. I'm yeah. standing on the ground. He's got some stairs. I knock on the door, and he opens up the door and looks out. His name's Adam. Great guy. Still great friends with him to this day. He goes, hey, man, what's going on? I said, oh, not much. I said, I, so going to the system, you know, I was, I was yep. getting on script at that point. Even just in a couple of days, I bought in, and I'm like, I'm doing this. I've got to do it. And um, so. I, he, he has me come inside. He's got a couple deer heads. So we talk about deer hunting for a minute. Mm -hmm. He goes, now, what is it you told me you do? I said, man, I, I help businesses provide benefits to their employees. And, you know, mainly life insurance is what we do that's different. And, you know, it takes me about 10 or 15 minutes. And he goes, and he goes, man, I'd like to, I've been wanting to do that for my guys. Have you got time to do it right now? <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. Yeah. And, was, and it's the one you didn't want to go into, right? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, well, you know what? I, I do have time, you know? So, yeah. so I sit down with him. You know, signed them up, went back the next week, wrote about $15,000. Every year, that, wow. every year we go in and write five to $8,000 with this guy. Just phenomenal, um, phenomenal person. Great employees. It just grows every year. And so because of that pack call, had I not had that, I'd have never walked into that business, yeah. you know, and uh, that, that was kind of a career turnaround. And I, I signed a big city and, and a, another big uh, company right down the street that had seven locations that I've got over $100,000 worth of business in right now, which is really, really cool yeah. on that. So, yeah, the, the system, man, it, well, it turned it, me around. You know, it, it's it's so interesting because when we started this, you know, talk about all your accolades and you know, six years being in the top of the top on the SEAL team and, you know, you're you're constantly on stage uh, at the annual convention and you have all this success. And, you know, we kind of joke that you're, you know, Mr. Consistency, you know, you're just, yeah. you know, you're just so consistent. But how much of that is just systems creating that consistency for you? It seems like that's Oh, yeah. 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 Ninety five percent systems yeah. and the other five percent of, of discipline of just executing the systems. You know, matter of fact, that that same year, that 2015 in March, you know, I'm, I'm ready to quit. You know, I'm, I'm like, man, I just can't do it because it's just hurting my heart with the folks that I'm that I'm hiring couldn't do it. But at the end of the year, the last week of December, <laughs> we went from 11th place to 10th place. And uh, I got to go on stage in at convention that year. Wow. On that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, how now at this stage in your life, in, in your career, you know, things are going really well mm -hmm. for you. You know, you've, you know, you've got a good business yeah. you know, you're very successful. Blessed. Yeah. How impactful is wanting to, you know, make a change in other people's lives, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what's your philosophy for 
developing people? I, I'm sure your past is is a huge influence in wanting to to help people through whatever they're going through. But you know, can can you just talk to kind of just your leadership philosophy and yeah? So my my leadership philosophy, like well, today, uh, you know, I made a post in my group. Me, I'm like, guys, start today thinking about what you want your Christmas to look like. You know, because if you start today, you're going to have the best Christmas you've ever had. Yeah. You know, I said, I've been there where I couldn't buy my kids gifts and I don't want to see any of you guys. Couldn't buy food. Yeah. Couldn't buy food. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been there and I don't want to see anybody in that position, you know, and and if you guys will will do what I've shown you and what we've trained you and you'll do it, you know, diligently, you know, you're going to make a difference in your your lives, your kids' lives. So, yeah, that's the the thing about this. for me is the the recruiting part, especially the personal recruiting and bringing people in and changing their lives. It's just phenomenal because, you know, because what it's done for me. So that know? passion is driving that Passion, you. yeah. That, I'm so passionate about the recruiting aspect of it. Yes, I love protecting families. Yes, I love um, whenever we get, well, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I, you know, I, I love how we take care of families once we get those those claims. Mm-hmm. You know, the claims, you know, we take care of them really well, and I love that part of it. I don't like getting them, but I love how we take care of them, if that makes sense on that. But I love helping people that way. But, yeah, that's uh, my philosophy um, for leadership is just, uh, you know, just show up every day. You know, you can't have three good days and, and or three days that you show up and two days that you don't show up. You know, you've got to show up five days a week, you know, and just apply yourself each and every day. You know, there's people out there that would love to have the opportunity that, you know, that we have. And, um, you know, it's our job to get it in front of them. But then it's their job to execute, you yeah. know, and to, to get up every day and, and have that discipline to work, you know. So would you say your, your purpose <laughs> is to help hmm. these people that are maybe living and sometimes you know it's said those quiet lives of desperation or wow. you know they just can't figure out where to turn and you know maybe they're kind of lost hmm. wandering around and and your you know your your purpose your passion is to to bring them in yeah yeah give them in give them give them hope yeah you know i want to i want to be able to to give them a hope um because if there's not any hope um, you know, whether in, in life or, or especially in, in work or in business, there, then, you know, there's, there's not ever going to be any, any type of thriving at all. You know, there's got to be some hope in there. And that's, I, I love to bring them in and, and let them, you know, I, I share my story with anybody that I can, you know, because I want them to know, hey, I didn't walk into this and just all of a sudden I was here. You know, I didn't, I didn't arrive, you know. Yeah. And matter of fact, it's really overwhelming. I, I really have a hard time accepting um, you know, the role that I have, the, 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 the platform that, you know, that God's given me. Um, I have a hard time accepting that because I'm still just the dumb old country boy from Judsonia, Arkansas. Yeah. You know, I'm still that 12 year old kid that, that was begging God to bring his dad back to him. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I have that, but also um, I embrace, you know, I embrace the platform that he's given me, you know, and I'm going to do my best to be as, um, you know, as, um, discipline as I can to share it, you know, that. Well, Keith, it is a uh, phenomenal story, a phenomenal story, just what you've overcome, um, who you've made yourself into, um, who you've become now, and what you're able to do to give back. It's just, uh, it's inspiring. uh, And it's, um, I'm I'm just very uh, grateful that you'd be willing to come here and and share it. And, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, make yourself a little vulnerable talking yeah. about, you know, where you've been and, and, but I, I think it's, it's just a, such a fantastic story. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it. I, I, like I said, I love to share my story. It's, I, 
it's ripping bandages off every time I do it. Yeah. But I know it's for the good of others because, uh, for one, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair if, if there wasn't a purpose for it. You know. Right. And um, yeah, man, I, I'm so thankful for you. Uh, you know, and and uh, you've become a good friend in, in this business. That. And yeah, I look up to you tremendously. You know, and and uh, just I've watched your leadership and stuff, and it's helped me tremendously. I, I want to say one thing that um, I, I don't know how well I think Steve, but um, on convention at, at awards night. Uh, this is going to be tough. But after we after the awards ceremony, Steve DeCharo pulled me aside and he said, I just want you to know <clears throat> that you're a tremendous um, inspiration to this entire company. And I thank you for sharing everything that you share. Absolutely. And man, that meant so much to me for him to to pull me aside and say that. And I don't know. I, I was just kind of awestruck when he said it, you know, and I didn't know, I don't know how much I thanked him, but, you know, Steve, I want to personally thank you right now for, yeah. you know, for um, speaking life into me with that. You know, that's what we need each and every day. We need people that are going to speak life into us. You know, sometimes yeah. that life is is a correction on how we're not on system. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, you know, Look that's what it's you, done for yeah, you. Yeah, that's what yeah. Jason did to me. And then yeah. other times it's just lifting you up and helping you accept your role. Just edifying where you're at. And, and, yeah, exactly. and I know I know we're getting towards the end here, but I just want to ask this. You know, how how impactful or important do you think is having this mindset when there's something challenging that happens to you or there's something bad mm-hmm. or you find yourself in a really difficult position, a dark place? I think sometimes people have a few different ways they can view it that, oh, this just, you know, woe is me. This has happened mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And it's totally understandable. And I think it's part of it. Everyone you know, feels, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you felt that as you were going through these things yeah. as well. But then there comes a time of how can I take this and make it into something good? And how can I take this obstacle and do something with it? Right. You know, I think probably everybody in the very beginning, whenever something bad has happened or whatever, um, you know, they, they will have that woe is me um, outlook. But here's the thing. We're allowed to have that for a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's okay for a little bit, but it can't be your outlook um, on life. For, you know, for the rest of your life on that, you can't have that. What was me? You, you've got to battle back. You know, there's always um, there's always a, a brighter side to it. There's always a way up and yeah. out. And if you can't do it on your own, reach out and reach up to somebody else. You know, and uh, reach out from from help from from anybody that you can. You know, a mentor, a, a, a friend, a pastor, whatever. But yeah, you've got to have that mentality that no matter what happens. You know, I'm, you know, I can get myself out of this, you know, with help, you know, if, if needed and, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of it. You know, and we can't, we can't, um, uh, rest on our, on our alls, you know, we, we have to, oh man, all this, all that. We Mm got to, we got to be, we got to rest on our O's. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Look at this. (laughs) You know, Mm, we've got to look for our O's and not rest on our alls. It's kind of, you know, something I I say every now and then kind of sounds silly, but it makes sense. That's, that's, that's an Arkansas expression. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I want to be about, oh, wow. (laughs) Right. Not all shucks. I'm, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at this. Well, it's being a victor, not a victim. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Well, again, I just I appreciate you coming on here and sharing the yeah. story. I appreciate you uh, inviting me, man. It's uh, yeah. it's been really fun. Um I, I emotional, you know. Of course. But, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. We you know, when we had conversations leading up to this as well, it yeah. was, you know, yeah. the, it's it's a process. So I understand. Well, um Keith, 
as you as you may know, we have a, a tradition at the Level Up Live. So we're kind of lighten the mood here a little <laughs> yeah. bit, right? Um, where um, everyone who comes on the Level Up Lifestyle is going to receive a bobblehead of yourself. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, eventually as the seasons go by, we'll have all the bobbleheads of yeah. the past guests on here and you get to display this in your office, you know, kind of as a, as a token. So I want to present you first with the Keith Bennett <laughs> Level Up Lifestyle bobblehead. This is you, Keith. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know my I, cheeks were I, so fat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's just the balance of the head yeah, is, oh, I guess is so, all yeah. that, that is. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's you, awesome. And, you, and you're holding the world, it looks like. You yeah, know, you've, got, you've got the globe. Um, so, you know, just kind of close on this. If, uh, if you can go back in time, talking to your bobblehead self here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know what stage in your life you'd want to talk to if it's the 12 year old or if it's the, you know, right when you're, you know, in the, you know, in that moment in the, in the shower or, you know, whatever stage in your life, you know, what would you tell yourself back then with what you know today? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, going back to when I was 12, is that, to just, you know, have faith, you know, there's, uh, you know, your dad's going to be okay. Um, yeah. and then as I was fighting through my, my addiction is to stop fighting, you know, and, and give up and, and, and give, and give in and, and give it to the Lord sooner. And then, uh, another thing is just, um, remind myself to do everything I can to be inspirational. You know, uh, no matter what it is, you know, I want to, it, whether it's sharing my story or, or sharing my successes, you know, I want to be inspirational and I would remind myself to do everything you could every day to be inspirational. You know, I've got six grandkids yeah, <laughs> and another one on the way. I'm wow. about to have six boys and, and a granddaughter. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I'm having another boy in January and, um, and I want to be inspirational for them. And I would want to remind myself back then that, hey, no matter what, you have got to inspire people. Absolutely. Great. Well, Keith, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you being here. I appreciate it, man. God bless you, buddy. All right. Thanks, you too. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this episode has inspired you on your path to success. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next story. See you soon on the Level Up Lifestyle Podcast.